RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. You might have seen the story about an Auckland business chased for $46,000 in COVID payments. The story was in stuff. Auckland business owner Hugh Grierson says he'll have to liquidate his business if Inland Revenue won't show some leniency in chasing him to repay COVID support funding. And Hugh Grierson from Avondale Beer Company Hopscotch joins us on Reality Check Radio. Hi, Hugh. Welcome to RCR. Nice to have you. Hi, Paul. Glad to be here. Okay, so, mm, all right. Um, They need to show some leniency. Um, We'll talk about that in just a moment. First of all, what's happened here? How come you're in this situation? Well, I, I don't really think there needs to be leniency. There just needs to be none of this. Um, so to go way back to 2020, how I got into the pickle was my shop is in the licensing trust area. And for the, at the start of, there was a bit of a problem because the supermarkets couldn't sell alcohol out here. They're not allowed to. So there's a whole area of Auckland where all the liquor shops are controlled by a licensing or two licensing trusts, which only give themselves liquor licenses. So because I'm a brewery, uh, it means I'm allowed to trade in the licensing trust as an off-license and I make my own beer. And at the start of lockdown, the licensing trusts and myself and five other little liquor shops were all trading in the trusts. And then after three weeks, after changing the rules nine times, the rules changed finally and they never changed back, stating that only the liquor shops owned by the licensing trust could trade which meant that the number of shops available to the population of several hundred thousand people went from uh, 18 to 12. And of course that didn't work because there was 12 liquor shops for that many people um, in huge queues. And then perversely, the trusts elected to keep selling spirits and RTDs, which supermarkets didn't sell. So people were traveling into Auckland to buy their preferred tipples from the licensing trusts and standing in a queue in the middle of the COVID lockdown. So I thought it might have been a conspiracy, because it's all about um, Mickey Mouse out here with the power of the licensing trust. The OIA shows, the official information request shows that uh, the decision wasn't a conspiracy, it was just pure incompetence. The um, MBIE did not know there was independent liquor shops. When the media alluded them to the situation, MBIE decided to double down, and keep us shut, dismissively say there's only a handful of stores. It would have been a third more than were open, and keep the independent shops closed. And then they didn't want to confuse people, and they said, we can just say safety in quote marks. So everyone's aware there was a lot of government departments just saying safety in quote marks for all sorts of decisions. So... Then when it came to the time of making the uh, asking, filling in the paperwork for the uh, resurgence help, uh, the deal was that you had to pick a representative period of time. So a representative period of time was provided within a certain um, window of time by IRD, and you had to show a drop-in income between pre-COVID and post-COVID. And what that meant was uh, representative, I assumed, meant any week in that period because any week represents what actually happened. 
And so I picked a good week and a bad week to show a drop in sales. Right. Now, if the government, if IRD had made it crystal clear that now they've told me I owe them money because I should have averaged these weeks out, if that was crystal clear, and they use maybe terminology along the lines of average out the weeks, not a representative week, I wouldn't have been able to get the very first payment. So I would have taken steps such as not driving around town, dropping off bottles of beer to people's houses. I could have done some other things at my home, you know, fixed up some falling over retaining wall or something. But I didn't know I was breaking the rules because they didn't make it clear. So I could have very easily not broken any rules because I would have just taken my income down to nothing. Right, you, you, would, have, you would have had a choice to react to, to the situation. But yeah, but because basically I suspect what's happened is they came out with a bit loose with their, with their rules and now they're going around trying to tidy things up because the government's running out of cash. Yeah. <laughs> so long story short was because of the lack of information, a lot of people, people have been emailing me. I've got five or six in my email um, in the last couple of days since the story was uh, on radio New Zealand and on stuff and on the Herald. Um, a lot of people were saying this has happened to them. And the question's got to be, what is it going to do for the New Zealand government? What is the point of going around giving people money to keep their business alive? And then after COVID, all of a sudden, asking for all the money back when the people are already financially depressed, all it's going to do is undo the stated goal, which is saving businesses. Well, that's so if, that, if, that's, if, that, if that's what the stated goal was, or was it to look like you were doing something at the time? Well, the stated work, the stated goal was to help, whether that was just to look like they were doing something at the time. Um, you know, that's that's up to your listeners to decide. Well, so, well, it makes you wonder. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. It, makes it you does wonder. make you wonder. So, so, so the first thing I'm in trouble for is the fact that um, is as I didn't use the right periods of time. Now, I just like to add that accountants have been getting in trouble for this. Um, they didn't know because it was an information vacuum, and no one was sure. Uh, I've got a friend who was working in a big four uh, accountancy firm, big corporate accountancy firm, and he said at the start of the level four lockdown, very few people had a clue what was going on. There was a lot of toing and froing between IID, and everyone was complaining that it was unclear. For example, how do you work out uh, the average income when a business is highly seasonal, for example? So that's yeah. one thing that they're doing before, and it's about $20,000 they want back. Now, the, the rest of the money they want back is for the resurgence payments. Now, the resurgent payments, in my opinion, is even more of a crook situation. The resurgent payments, they put in a clause that you had to agree to when you signed up, saying that you weren't going to pass any dividends onto shareholders. So this is to stop corporations paying the money from the government straight to shareholders. But unfortunately, they hadn't really thought about what happens if you are a small family-owned business with one staff member who is also the owner of the company. The owner of the company cannot pay themselves any money because that's deemed to be dividends. Okay, so, yeah. Though, how, so how are you expected really to live? That one, had they? How, how are you expected to live if you can't uh, pay yourself? Well, you could you could get um, another form of income, which is the uh, wage subsidies, but that wage subsidies were pretty pathetic. And you've got to remember, by the last lockdown, which is mainly affecting Auckland, which is what they call the resurgence lockdown, 
the last lockdown, most small businesses, like I personally had, had pulled all my personal savings into my business to keep it going. So on the books, the business owes me about 50K. Right. So there's no way you're allowed to take it. They told us the money was for business expenses. You're allowed to pay staff, but you can't pay yourself. If you don't have staff, you can't pay anybody. Hmm. So theoretically, I would have taken that money, lost my house, but had a whole lot of money sitting in my business account that I couldn't pass on to myself because of the rules that they'd set up. Well, the way you're so, talking, what, what you're saying is it sounds like it, it wasn't very well thought out at all, number one, right? No, because everyone was in a rush. Everyone was having email discussions. No one was actually having meetings because everyone was in lockdown. So uh, I don't think the um, information, the communication, um, interpersonal action was happening. So there was lots of things that probably weren't very well thought out being pushed through in a hurry. And now the government, hard up, is going around, what's the books look good, trying to do callbacks. But the callbacks in a lot of situations are going to be counterproductive. So you'll see a story that the government pushes out, and they'll tell you that they've caught a whole lot of fraudsters. No one has told me, and no one seems to know, how many of these people who are caught up in the audit are fraudsters, i.e. invented staff or lied, and how many are caught up in technicalities. Yeah. No one seems interested. When the reporters ask questions about the, um, the resurgent issue, IRD is very reluctant to talk about it because I believe IRD realises that's kind of cooped it. Yeah, well, as I understand it, the um, Commissioner of Taxes can make uh, determinations that st- stand basically as law anyway. So they could, ca- they could come out and they could say, or the Commissioner could say, okay, well, we'll let that one go under these circumstances and it would be done. They haven't done that, obviously. No, they haven't done that. And also there's no... I don't really think that we should be looking at piecemeal individual case by individual case. I think the problem is if IID had made it clear what the rules were, a lot of people wouldn't have broken the rules. IID wasn't clear. Nobody knew what the rules were. And professional accountants, whose job it is to understand what IID is saying, were confused. So I imagine there's probably hundreds if not thousands of small businesses around the country who haven't been audited, but if they get audited, they're going to be a power of kaka, like I am. Yeah, so how, how did they... Do you understand their auditing process? Is it actually I done do. by... I do. Okay. Well, because my business was in, in a uniquely poor situation, or the few other liquor shops out west who are not owned by the licensing trust, I performed very badly as a liquor shop because I was shut. Other parts of New Zealand, everybody was shut, so people did okay with online sales. No one was needing to buy online sales from me because three k's down the road, there was a shop you could literally walk into in level four. Hmm. So I explained that to IAD, and they said, well, that's quite reasonable, but we're still going to audit you, and they did. And it took six months over summer, over summer holidays, back and forth, digging up invoices from fridges I bought and things like that off trade me, trying to find all the money. I thought I was fine because I didn't knowingly break any rules. Uh, I've Being out in West Auckland, I've had quite a run around with my liquor license 
and various troubles with different government departments who don't like people doing things that aren't what they consider standard. And so I was very aware of the fact that there was a good chance I was going to be getting audited because I'm developing a bit of a persecution complex. Yeah. So yeah, I made sure enough. I did everything right. And I only just uh, managed to get a few of the payments and I was resigned that I, wa- I might not have got some that picked up. But they changed the rules with the resurgence after backlash when they said 40%, you have to show a 40% drop in trade. And a lot of businesses, especially hospital, were saying, well, that's ridiculous. We can't do 40% drop in trade because we're already depressed in the first place. Yeah, good point. If we go 40, if we go 40% we're going to be negative 10 So they changed the rules. Now, mm. if IRD had made it crystal clear what the rules were at the start, okay, if they said to people right at the start, you need to average out these weeks. You can't pick a good week or a bad week. It's got to be an average. I don't think a lot of people like myself would have been been able to get any funds whatsoever. And I guarantee they would have backpedaled. Okay, what was their exact wording again initially? Can you remind Uh, us? A representative period. Okay, so that's actually not very accurate at all, is it? If you really wanted to... And I, I have correspondence from IRD when they admit that a representative period is somewhat ambiguous, quote mark, somewhat ambiguous. Unquote. Well, they have to take responsibility for their loosey-goosey language, don't they? Well, no, because New Zealand has a huge problem with civil servants who don't get any feedback from any source from anyone. They get nothing from the, from the humans they're supposed to be looking after, and they get nothing from the government. There's many instances over the last three years when government departments have made blatantly appalling decisions and nothing has happened. Yeah, no I'll give you an example. Yeah. You, you may remember, aside from my own um, poor decisions, you may remember how MBIE, who are the guys who shut me down and then pretended it was a safety decision and quote marks, you may remember how they decided that the best way to work out who could come back into New Zealand was by a lottery. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, so that meant that people had no idea, no ability to plan, and you could turn up and put your name down on the list and then two days later be drawn by pure luck. Now, why the hell didn't they have a queue? So that means the people who've been waiting the longest would have an idea where they sat on the queue, and the people who had just turned up and decided to come to New Zealand last minute would have to wait. That would have given people some certainty. A lot of people were saying this. But NDIE just stuck their heels in and said, no, we're just going to stick with a lottery. It's the fairest thing. Yeah, look, um, this is just adds to the pileup of stories, not necessarily specifically in this area, but of this, I think you made the point, this lack of humanity, not considering yes. the actual people. And I'm always scratching my head. How do you get to that? How do you ever have an attitude like that? Well, when you read the email, when the, the email discussion, when they're discussing what to do with my business, they're very dismissive of my livelihood. They are, don't worry about it, guys. It's only a handful of little shops. We'll just keep them shut. We don't want to confuse people. At this point, the rules have been changed at least nine times. We don't want to confuse people. We'll say safety quote marks. So pretty much government departments had decided they could do whatever they wanted to arbitrarily. It didn't matter because they could just say safety quote marks. In the 
physical exchange is that as what over the phone and 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 I guess emails not quite that talking to real people. Have have you been able to do that? Have you actually talked to real people? Well, for example, the um, the woman who was auditing me, who I spend a lot of time talking to because it, the auditing is quite a um, an intense, harrowing process. She said, "Oh well, I tried to explain to my superiors." that I could see that you were just paying yourself your normal wage and you weren't giving yourself massive wads of dividends. And they didn't care. Well, nothing changed. So presumably they didn't care. So she so, cared, but they didn't. Is that is that what happened? She, she's, the person who audited me said that she mentioned to her superiors that, she could, that you could tell that I was just paying myself wages. Are you then reading into that, what you said early on when we started uh, talking, that there's obviously some pressure. Either they, either they don't give a damn about people like you and others, or there's some sort of heavy pressure coming on to claw back every possible cent you can. Um, I would say there is probably items, including both of those. Right, a mix, equation. yeah. Um, but it, like, it seems to me that New Zealand is a bit of a rudderless ship when it comes to bureaucrats making decisions. Uh, it seems like the whoever is the ruling party does not want to step on any toes, and ministers don't really want to exhibit any oversight on their departments unless it hits the media and they're caught up in some sort of storm. Yeah, which means there's really no point to them. That they're no use at all. Under well, these. that's exactly right. What is the point of government if it won't do anything, if it won't take charge of its civil service? Yeah. You know, what is the point? And I've got to say, what is the, this is, I sent an email to the leader of the opposition, the main leader of the main opposition. Mr. Luxon, right? Mr. Luxon. Yeah. I asked him, what is even the point of the National Party? Because they didn't even answer, they didn't even get back to me when I brought this topic up. Well, I think it's fair to say that uh, I think someone coined the phrase they're just the the other cheek of the same ass. <laughs> well, it does seem like that. I mean, I would have thought a decision that could potentially destroy I don't know thousands of small businesses who are already stressed would have been something a party which proclaims itself as the business party would have gotten got stuck into but no not at all no interest zero interest well if it meant um publicity and uh, and good media for him maybe um it would have been different i, I don't believe lux luxon has any political instinct at all okay gee i think he's a he's a man sack full of corporate catchphrases and flatulence <laughs> okay all right so where are you at? I mean, are they heavying you now for the dollars? Yes, yes. Yeah. And it's also hurting me because I am I'm asking for um, because I can actually show that I have absolutely no money because I put all my money into my business, and I'm pretty burnt out. I would think I'll because I have a liquor license and the licensing trust. I do actually have a bit of an asset that uh, somebody with some money could come in and spend some money on marketing and. Uh, put a little bit of money into increasing the capacity of the brewery and be sitting on a, a, a tidy little earner because there's there's 24 liquor shops across a whole area of West, of West Auckland. There's a lot of land and a lot of people, and we don't all just drink RTV. Some of us like nice wine, for example. Mm, yeah. And um, 
but I can't really sell the business when I've got this debt hanging over it. I had to borrow some, I'm so hard up, I had to borrow some money from my mum to keep my landlord happy. And I was going to get $1,500 of GST back, but IAD just gobbled that up. It just went straight into my 46000 of debt. Oh, dear. And I'd like to say that 46000 of debt I wouldn't have if IAD had told me exactly what they meant. But the problem is, I don't believe IAD had a clue what they meant back in the day in 2020. I think the definitions are changing as IAD want, changes its basically what it, what it wants. IAD wants money now. So they're just going around interpreting rules which were pretty vague to suit them taking money. But what is the point? I mean, I don't have it. So if they hit me up with 46K and they start putting penalty fees on it, um, well, they have hit me up. I'm probably going to, the best, I mean, I can't, I don't think I'll be able to get enough money to cover all the debts from sale as it is. Have you put a deal to them, Hugh? Have you put a deal to them? Say, like, you know, I'll give you, well, not not that you feel that you have to pay anything, I guess, under the circumstances, but that might be. I've asked, I've asked, for um, I've asked for a write-off, but I don't don't expect it. Um, I'd imagine going the way it's been going, and the um, let's say the fairly uncaring, not really too fussed about realities of what they've done to me. I, I have very low expectations. Pretty much, I've got super super low expectations for everybody in government. To be honest. Yeah, I can hear it in your voice, man. I can hear. I can. I can hear it. I mean. And you don't, I mean, imagine owning a business and being shut and driving past your opposition with a hundred, literally a hundred people standing outside in a queue wearing masks. Yeah. That's what I did. It made my eyes twitch in rage. Well, here's the thing. It was all completely for nothing anyway. Actually, it didn't, it didn't do anything, but that's another story. So it was all, every, every part of this was a waste of time. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't agree with you with that because I've got, um, I've got friends who were in London in the first wave and some of their stories are pretty horrific. Maybe, but in the big picture, and that's it for another story, for the damage it's done. And I, well, think, I, mean, I think it's a I mean, continuation thing, of what you're experiencing like, now. The same attitude that, that, that yeah. affected everyone is now getting you now. So, Yeah, but the, the reason I'm talking about this I don't actually expect it to help me. I'd be very surprised if anything happens because I've come to realise the government doesn't really... No, I'm talking take... about the way you've been treated. Oh, yeah. But I'm, doing, I'm talking about this because I'm hoping that something's going to change systematically, not just my particular instance because the audits have only started. Yeah, they've and they've, 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 already already done six, they've already done 6,000. Yeah, yeah, and they've already got a lot of people. And there's people emailing me saying, yeah, uh, good luck. I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't sell my business. There's people who owe more than me. Yeah. Who don't have any money. Well, have, did you check the comments on the story on the Herald about you? Have you seen the comments? Uh, there was comments um, in the stuff story. There was only a Oh, few. sorry, the stuff story, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you become aware that people don't read stories before they comments. Yeah, well, I was going to say, they're not very sympathetic. And having read the story and now hearing you, you... You wonder if they even read one word of it. But but the reason I mention that is that there seems to be, we're a very divided people. 
Well, I mean, I asked these people, someone sent me an email saying I should just pay it back. I asked these people, what do they want? Do they want small businesses just to vanish and still pay the money? Because all across, especially Auckland, because we really, I must say, Auckland got smashed for worse. I know, I was there at the time, I, I know. And i got to say, it's almost as if the government has just has just faded that bit about out of its collective memory because they really hammered Auckland and they didn't really give Auckland uh, much in the way back. And Auckland pretty much, pretty much took the brunt. There is a lot of hospitality businesses out there who are not on their feet yet. And there's a good chance that they're going to be getting audited too. So what happens next? How long have you got? Um, when does the hammer or the axe well, fall on you? I mean, the hammer's already hit me. Yeah. I'm already – so I'm just basically – either they can um, – either they cut me some slack or I'll try and sell and I'll probably – the question is do I sell and end up owing more, you know, still owing, having nothing, or do I go into liquidation and owe nothing with – 12 years of my life gone. Yeah, it's a big hit to take. Huge hit. It's a big hit, especially because I know whoever comes into this spot here, because I had trouble with my license, my, the council gave me my license, and then a year later, just turned around and said, we'd like to take it back. God, who are, who are these people? And I said, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. And then there was um, all sorts of toing and froing when they uh, the council ignored previous district licensing authority decisions and tried to put restrictions on me, which they'd already been told they couldn't do. Can you, so get, I, can you get a meeting with someone face-to-face at IRD? Like, you know, forget the person on the phone, the case manager, whatever, you know, like some management. Get in there physically, think, sit down at a table and say, some, listen here, buddy, this is the deal. I think you're talking about some, some 1960s, 1970s people who actually care about humans. Well, it doesn't happen now. Kind of situation. Nothing's set up for people talking people to people. Oh, dear. <clears throat> What's it come to? Hugh, I'm sorry. So, Excuse me. So, I mean, <clears throat> I, I really think we need an opposition party that actually doesn't just cover stuff up. If there's a problem in a department, if a department is getting a lot of complaints or a department is just burning through cash with no results, somebody needs to lift the stone up. It sounds like the tail's not, wagging the dog. The tail is definitely w- wagging the dog right now. Exactly. And uh, I've got a lot of problems with some of the policies of the ACT Party, or a lot of policies of the ACT Party. But i got to say, they are the only guys who actually talk to me. Okay. Well, there you go. All right. Well, I think we've got a pretty good grasp of the story. I'm sorry to hear that you're in that situation. Um, and I can hear it in your voice, you know, that, that frustration and, and being treated like that. You know, that's well, hard I to mean, if, or if, if, if they had been organised and knew exactly what they wanted to set up right at the start, there would be a lot less trouble for a well, lot that's of what, that's. And, I mean, any common sense person listening to this and assuming that what you're telling, and I'm not saying you're you know, changing any of the story or whatever, that it is what it is, common sense tells you that the responsibility, where that falls is pretty clear. If you're the IRD... And you do something like this and you're loosey-goosey with your language and then retrospectively kind of play a game to claw back money, which could end up really negatively affecting real people's lives, then the responsibility as the institution, I would say, naturally falls on you. 
Right. That sounds sensible to me. And I have no problem with mistakes being made in a time of stress where quick decisions need to be made with very little consultational thought. That is fine. But what's happened is people make mistakes and then they just cover them up. I mean, I was still shut in the last lockdown. Yeah. I'd made the point that there wasn't enough liquor shops to the Ministry of Health. I made the point that now we knew COVID was airborne, forcing everybody into 24 liquor shops is a bad idea. No reply from the Ministry of Health. Well, I don't even understand with respect why liquor shops were even open, actually. Because liquor shops were open in the trust because you couldn't buy beer or wine from the supermarket. No, but I mean, even going out for liquor, you know, is that a good idea when there's a health scare? Getting drunk? Well, I, I think maybe you, you can't just stop off a liquor supply because that'll cause problems. Because a lot of people, liquor is part of maintaining homeostasis and their body starts to freak out or their minds freak out. Okay. And there was a lot of stress. South Africa tried to stop the people drinking and it didn't work. Well, okay. Um, but I think, you know, by the time it was in the last lockdown, MBIE had all the information to show that there was absolutely no reason why they couldn't, the six independent stores couldn't have been open. They were prepared to loosen up on the rules on the butchers and the fruit shops, but for some reason they dug their heels in with the six independent stores out west. And you think there's a link to that because of the licensing trust? I don't know. Um, I do know there's a lot of um, ex-labor people in the licensing trust. I do know the licensing trust has amazing levels of um, power politically. Right, okay, um, so they can just call but, people up, right? But, <laughs> but the um, the official information request that I did, well, well, um, that I was helped to do, uh, definitely doesn't show, it. what it does show is it was basically, they didn't know, and then they tried to cover that up and pretend it was a decision made on purpose. Okay. All right, well, sorry to hear about all of that, and I hope something good happens there. Um, yeah, well, it's not just me. I know that. Um, there's I know a that. lot of people who probably don't know it. Oh, it's about to come they, for them. Yeah. They could quite easily be guessing a email from IID. All right, Hugh, thanks for telling us your story. Again, so sorry to hear about that. And, and you know, we hope that it resolves somehow. That's all we can yeah, hope well, for. Yeah, well, I'll let you know if I have any yeah, good news. Please but, do. Uh, I'm not holding my breath. All right. Hang in there, brother. Thanks, mate. Thanks. Thanks yeah. for the talk. Business owner Hugh Grierson there, who is being chased by IRD for $46,000 in COVID payments. What do you think about that? You can text us 2057 or email inbox at realitycheck.radio. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.